Hello and welcome to another episode of the Financial Success Show. As your host, uh, as always, I'm your host, Jeff Eady. And uh, we are live here every Thursday afternoon at 3-ish. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we're on, uh, we're, we're, we're on a, a, a delay, but uh, our boys got to work hard today and brought us in. Unfortunately, um, Kirk, is that you making all the noise there? Wait, what? <laughs> All the popping in the background. Anyhow, uh, unfortunately, Kirk has hurt himself and uh, dislocated his shoulder, so he's actually not going to be joining us in studio today. However, Kirk is joining us from the comfort of his home, arm in sling, and uh, medical bracelet still on. Kirky, how you doing today? Hey, not too bad. What's good? I miss you. Oh, yeah. Pain pills still going, huh? No, actually, no, those were off. <laughs> oh, this is just who you are. Okay. Good. At least we know what we're dealing with. We got a baseline here. So, Kirky, we don't, uh, we're going to, we're going to run this format a little bit different today. First of all, I want to mention, uh, uh, I am representing today Brampton Cup coming up this weekend, uh, wearing my Cabbage Town. Uh, boxing club sweater so uh, to all the fighters coming out this weekend unfortunately I did not get a fight so I won't have a black guy for the show next week which is nice uh, but I do definitely want to say good luck to the fighters and uh, especially one in particular uh, I told her that I would give her a good luck eye roll I'm not very good at eye rolling I'm gonna do it one more time hopefully that will satisfy you. Uh, I know. Uh, I know she's watching, and she's going to have a heck of a fight tomorrow night. She's also the Golden Gloves champ of Ontario. Did you know that, Kirk? Uh, actually, I did know that. You told me. <laughs> so uh, I know Cabbage Town will be bringing home the Brampton Cup yet again. It's going to be an exciting weekend. We also got Super Bowl this weekend, Kirky. Let's go. Go Pats! Go. I don't even know who they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Rams, that's who they're playing. Come on, get with the, the I, I, L.A. Rams? Yes, the L.A. Rams. Oh, good. I got that right. <laughs> all, all I know is that a Super Bowl is the time I get together with my buddies, listen to them yell at the TV, and I eat a whole bunch of crappy food. Yep. yep. I still don't understand why people yell at the television. They don't realize they can't hear you. Yes, they can. It's not... <laughs> well, it's not like a Facebook Live where they can come. And anyhow, let's get into this, Kirk. <laughs> we could be here all day talking about Super yeah, Bowl. <clears throat> well, you could. I'll just sit here and eat good food, but I don't have any food, so let's get going. Uh, today, we wanted to run the format just a little bit different. Again, uh, um, tis the season for RRSP investments, and uh, or contributions, I, I should say. And uh, being that that's the season, I really wanted to concentrate on on our program here, our 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 our. RRSP tax-free program. Wow, it's really hard to do this without you in studio, Kirk. I actually really miss you. I know. I miss you too, man. <laughs> There's so many What's that? I wanted to throw out at you, but I can't because I'm not there. Aw, that's the, another time. Another time. Okay. Anyhow, um, having being that we have a, a, a registered retirement savings plan tax-free program, I really wanted to focus around how we do that, um, the structure of it, and more importantly, the the returns that we get for people, how we use it. So, Kirk, are you you're you're obviously being the client relations manager, familiar with our our, our SP tax free program, right? I am. I absolutely love that program. I think it's the coolest thing out there. So, do you want to explain a little bit about uh, about how it works? 
Well, the simplest way I can explain it, because I'm a millennial, and I like to explain it as a millennial, if I was always sold RRSPs, and I didn't know this, but I didn't know the tax implications of the RRSP, that I was subject to a withholding tax at the end of it. I wasn't really told that when I was, you know, sold the product. So that was quite the eye-opener for myself when uh, you kind of explained that to me and kind of the history about the RRSP. So I thought that was kind of a rip-off, and then I found out how you guys did it and how I was able to get the RSP out with, well, I still had to pay the withholding tax, but I was able to get that uh, 30% back, and it's quite the, uh, the cool program there. So how our RSP uh, pull program works is, pull your RSP, we put it into a GAV project in Detroit or Owen Sound, and then you let your money sit there and grow and then throughout your taxes we get that 30 percent back to you and we count your investment as a full uh as the full amount of the rsp that you pulled and we let it grow from there so you're actually getting your whole rsp out without paying that withholding tax see you know what i i'm actually going to digress for a couple of minutes here i know we're supposed to be talking about rsp investments and 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 all that stuff but you know what's something Excuse me. That um, really matters to me is the advent of the RRSP. Are you familiar with how that uh, came about, Kirk? Uh, no, I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've heard me say it a million times. You just can't recount it, right? <laughs> you know what? So, when I'm injured, you still don't cut me a break. <laughs> you already had a break on your left arm. Uh, <laughs> not a break. Two different things. I should. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, every time I laugh, it cuts you off. <laughs> I said, not a brick, a dislocation, maybe a concussion. We'll never know. <laughs> well, we could be so lucky. Anyhow, um, <laughs> it's important to, to really understand why the RRSP came about before you, you, you really start talking about the disadvantages and the advantages of it. Um, we have been living uh, around a... Um, a program that that really started back before World War II. Otto, uh, I believe, it was Otto von Buren uh, was in charge of Austria at the time. I don't know if he was a monarch or, or a dictator or whatever, but he actually created this program during the the socialist or communist era, where he said, um, "You come to work. We'll, we'll educate you for the first twenty years of your life, and then after that twenty years, you come work in the factory with us for forty years, and then when you turn sixty, we'll take care of you for the rest of your life." And that was a great deal back then, especially for the government. Do you know why, Kirk? Why is that? Because the average life expectancy back then was 62 years old. It's it pretty young. That's a great program. We'll give you 20 years. You give us 40, and we'll give you two more. But that, <laughs> I would take that, but as long as I got to live to 80. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem, right? That's the problem. So the the the, the this program actually... It, it expanded beyond borders. Like the, the interesting thing is that a lot of companies that were alive in, in Germany at that time during World War II and stuff actually were American companies. Um, Ford was um, reprimanded a lot because he was selling cars over in, uh, in, in Austria and, and Germany during that. What, what was that? What? <laughs> what did you do, Fabian? What happened? <laughs> what happened? I, I don't know, but there seemed to be a loud bing all around me. I don't know if it was through the headphones or else. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> you're distracting me, Fabian, and it's not your boyish good looks. Uh, 
So, anyhow, what happened is this system expanded beyond the borders of Austria, and it got adopted by uh, the North American system. And we saw that um, all throughout the 50s and the 60s and, and into the 70s, where people were coming to work in the factories, and they were getting good pensions, and they were um, living good lives. And then something happened in the late 70s, and it was a life expectancy. People started living longer, and these companies realized that they couldn't actually afford to pay for the gold-plated pensions that they've been promising their, their workers for years. So what they had to actually come, come to do is they actually started, the, the, big, um, the big manufacturers started lobbying the government along with the banks to say, hey, we need a solution for this because we can't afford these pensions. And that's when they came up with the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And I love talking to people who are a little longer in the tooth. Unfortunately, Kirk, you being a millennial, which is not unfortunate, you're still young and, well, devilishly handsome. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> there's, that might be the first compliment I have paid you on this show. I think it's uh, a compliment ever. <laughs> but... but um, I love talking to people who are around in the early 80s and late 70s because they they really they remember the commercials where the banks started pouring millions and millions of dollars into helping people understand that the guy you know the banks aren't going to take care of your retirement your job's not going to do it uh, take your retirement into your own hands put money into your registered retirement savings plan and that was the norm for about two decades people really believed in these registered retirement savings plans problem is the stock markets were crashing. They crashed in 89, they crashed in 99, they crashed in 2009, 2008. Wow, that's every 10 years, eh? That's kind of crazy. Uh, that, I, that might mean we're due. Uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> but the fact... The fact of the matter is, um, when those those markets crashed, people not only did they they experience significant losses, they also um, experienced significant losses of time, and that's the biggest problem with it. So, um, regardless of the other pitfalls that that are around a, a registered retirement savings plan, like someone like yourself being a millennial, Kirk, um, have you ever been sold a, a registered retirement savings plan? Uh, a couple of times actually and it wasn't too long ago I actually was at RBC and I was at the teller and the teller even tried to sell me on an RSP I was oh hey have you actually heard of this and I was like yes many times I will pass thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, and and what made you pass um, my education actually with yourself and Craig um, without that in, uh, information and education I would have said sure why not because I know that's what my parents did so without the education that I have from you guys, um, I would I would not have been able to turn that down just because I wouldn't have known any better. And see, here's 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 the true problem for a millennial. You know, I, I love coming back to millennials because we're finding that that they just did not get the education in their in their oh, you know right. schooling. Apparently, there was um, oh what was it? I just saw, read this article um, that they are actually bringing back financial education into schools as of 2020, I believe. Wow, yep. that's that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, Sophie, don't distract Fabian. If Kirk's talking, I need him on the sky. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall here. Come on, what is this? I just don't think they want to see you, Kirk. I think they're enjoying not having you in studio for a week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you said they're bringing the uh, financial education back yeah, into the schools? About that. It was in the Globe and Mail that uh, the Canadian government is bringing it back for 2020. Wow, wait a minute. You read a newspaper? I thought that's such a non-millennial thing to do. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> I'm becoming educated. 
Um, so here's here's the biggest problem with someone your age buying an RRSP. Do you plan to be making more money now or later on in life? Oh, I better be making well over six figures later on in life. So that's way- a good good goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so way more money when I'm older. So the whole reason that they they teach people to get an RRSP is to take the tax break and then of course save for your retirement. But what they they don't tell you is that if you're in a higher income bracket when you withdraw your money, you're actually paying tax at that bracket. So you're deferring the tax. You're not actually getting a break on it. So you might you know have that money in your bank account for the next 45 years. But the fact of the matter is when you take it out, you're in, if you're in a higher tax bracket, which you know if you watch the show and pay attention to the stuff we teach at Blackthorn, um, you should be in a much higher tax bracket when you retire. You're actually going to be paying taxes on that money in a much, much higher tax bracket than you would have had you paid those taxes originally, yeah, which is crazy. Not fair. Just crazy. The other thing uh, Craig and I were talking about that really blew my mind was that the whole time you're getting a return on your investment, you're getting a return for the government – and the tax that you have to pay at the end is going to be based on that. So you're actually paying tax on the money that's been returned on their portion of the money that's in your account, which is just crazy to me. Just crazy. Is- you take all the risk, they get all the return, and they tax you for it at the end. Yeah, it's just I can very colorful language for that, but I can't do that because we are lost, So Now – I'm not saying that the, the RRSP program is absolutely a lame duck. There are some times when it's, it's an advantage to people. But for the most part, a TFSA is a much better alternative if you're looking at investing through a registered account. And I mean, really, if you want to come back to registered account, all a registered account is is a, is a bank account with a tax strategy attached to it. Right. That's, that's the basics of it. So... Let's talk about how we get those RRSP stack free out of there. Let's do it. I love it. So we talk to a lot of people about not investing in RRSPs to begin with, but what do we do with the clients who already have them? Um, Craig and and Hashem, uh, our our accounting samurai here, got together one day because we had a client who who had a, um, I believe it was a sibling that passed away and left her a rather sizable amount, about a $600,000 RRSP. By the time she came to us, she stood to lose about half of that uh, RRSP to taxes because the worst thing you can do with an RRSP is die. Why is that? Um, because unless you're li- leaving it to a spouse, if you're leaving it to a sibling or a child or anything like that, uh, the government comes in and takes about half of it. Oh, jeez. All right. Yeah, so this lady's sister had uh, had actually um, been saving her entire life, saved off about $600,000. And the government said, fantastic, you're leaving it to your sister, we'll take half of that. I wish I could do so- it. <laughs> hey, Jeff, <laughs> you got <laughs> You ain't getting it. I'll fight you. <laughs> One-armed and all. <laughs> so <clears throat> they came up with this strategy specifically for this one client. And uh, I believe that as the story goes, by the end of it, the client not only didn't have to pay all of that tax, they got her a good portion of money back. And she ended up paying about $90,000 on it, which all told saved about $200,000 in taxes. So how do we do it? Yeah, how? (laughs) You know how. Explain to me, Kirk. You tell me. Let's see if you've been paying attention. Of course. So what we do is we buy these underperforming properties and we rehab them. And during those rehabs, they um, 
require receipts and all this, we pass those receipts down to you. And because you are an investor in the program, we write off all of those receipts underneath you and your taxes. And we guarantee that we get that 30% of your RSP back for your taxes. Am I correct? Yeah, that's that's more or less what happens. So there's there's a few more intricacies to the program. Really what, what happens is you withdraw all of your money from the bank account, mm-hmm. from the RSP, put it into a cash position. Now, you are going to see that, that tax withheld. There's nothing we can do about that. The bank withholds the tax for the government. Do you know why, Kirk? Uh, because they don't trust us to pay it back. Bingo! (laughs) They know if it's left up to you when it comes to tax time, you won't have that money left. So they ask the banks to hold that. Then what happens is you become a joint venture partner in the projects that we do. By becoming a joint venture partner, you're now eligible for a lot of the uh, write-offs that 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 business generates throughout the year because it's an underperforming property. Uh And in that underperforming property, let's let's say we've got concrete stairs out front well as long as we're rehabbing it and not improving it we're able to generate receipts we can bring it up to a certain standard and through our our strategy we can actually generate receipts that create a loss that recoup those taxes later on so we actually you know the good part about that you know yourself that we have a a hundred percent guarantee that we'll be able to recoup those taxes we do yes and we've never had to pay it out once (laughs) you said rehab over renovation what's the difference between the two uh it's really about bringing it up to its previous standard um we learned this one actually from detroit uh we've been there for a few years now but what um what the distinction is 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 if you have a linoleum floor in the kitchen you have to replace it with a linoleum floor you can't put in hardwood um, if you do that, it's called an improvement, and that improvement means that there's different things involved. Our, stra- our specific strategy doesn't work around that. And what we've done in, in, in this case is we've actually combined accounting and taxes with real estate investment. And the way that they fit together is what makes the strategy work. And here's the cool thing is we've been audited by the CRA. Oh. You know, most people, get a, most people get a call from the CRA and they freak out, right? Especially... Uh, uh, now that they've got the uh, the RCMP scams going around, yeah, <laughs> I love getting those calls. <laughs> they called me up the other. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah, I knew it was a scam, so I just had some fun with it. Just like, yeah. Oh, it's so much fun! I love talking to those guys. Yeah, it's great. They're like, oh, <laughs> we're gonna show up at your door right now. I was like, show up at my door. They're like, whoa! whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was like, what? You said you're gonna show up at my door. Arrest me! Come arrest me! Nothing. <laughs> Number one tip about this, the CRA does not call you first. If they call you, um, you will have seen at least one or two or ten letters in your mailbox long before they ever call you. Um, and, and you know what? Aside from that, if, if the CRA does call you and you've got an accountant, be nice, be polite. Give them your accountant's phone number and have them call your accountant. Yeah. Because your accountant can deal with the CRA in a in a much more able-bodied way than the average Canadian can. So anyhow, let's talk about the actual projects that we've been using this system on. All right. So Detroit, Owen Sound, um, those are two. Well, we're fo- mainly focusing on Owen Sound right now. Detroit is basically closed off. I'm sure we could squeeze in one more person in there if we really had to, but we're mainly focusing on Owen Sound. Yeah, well, let's talk about Detroit 
first because excuse me because it's it's been our 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 pet project for a long long time and and um we are at the end of that and and getting everything finished off which is amazing but what happened in Detroit is really what what matters. When I worked with uh, George Ross from the Trump Organization, um, one of the things George taught me is that no matter what, there's two things about real estate that that make it very different from any other type of investment. One is you could have two properties right beside each other. One could be you know worth a gold mine, and the other is worth absolutely nothing. So it's not necessarily geographical. It's not necessarily market conditions. You can find two properties side by each, and they can be completely different properties, and there's profit in one, and there's not in another. So that's great. That means if there's a crash, there's still opportunity. Right. Um, another, you know, I guess there's three things. Another thing that it never goes down to zero because it's you're not buying paper like you were on the stock uh, stock market. You're buying land. Yeah. Uh, and then the third thing is that wherever people are finding jobs, that's where real estate investment is going to be huge. Yeah, of course. Which <clears throat> makes sense. You know, uh, Detroit originally was the number one place for auto manufacturing in the U.S. because the cost of living was so low that all the factory workers could have a high quality of life and work in the factories. Those factories couldn't have a lot of turnover because there's a lot of learned skill on those assembly lines. And the time it takes to learn is it, it costs the, the companies a lot of money. So they had to make sure the quality of living was high in Detroit. Of course, we know what happened in 2008 and, and Detroit almost went bankrupt and or did. I'm not sure if it actually did. Yeah, but, um, you know, Trump, when he came in into to power, he wasn't gonna let Detroit fail. No. I mean, it's it, it. How do you let a, a, a heartland city like that fail? So they started pouring all sorts of money into it, bringing all sorts of different attractions. What people weren't noticing, however, is the the diversification of the jobs that were there, mm-hmm. and that that really is 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 what mattered. Last um, what was it? In 2017 was the last time I looked at the stat. But uh, in 2017, uh, they had added 30,000 new jobs to the city. Jeez, that's a lot. 30,000 jobs, man. That's a lot of jobs. More importantly, they were diversified. So they weren't all in the auto industry. Right. They were which, tech industry. They were a whole bunch of other new ones. Yeah, exactly. And it was all your people. It was all. The youngins. <laughs> Twitter, Microsoft, Google. Like, they all went in there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because you look at cities and they're always cyclical. Like if you look at New York City, Manhattan in the 1980s, downtown Manhattan was, well, it, you didn't want to go there. Yeah, no. But, but the city started coming back and after a while it became a great place to live and now it's some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Um, the same thing has is, is happened in Toronto and now it's happening in Detroit. Uh, and a lot of people would think, you know, it's probably too late to actually really make a profit in Detroit. When we were buying, we bought one of the multifamily residential places uh, that we got uh, on Savannah Street. It's a 42-unit uh, building. Do you know how much we paid for it, Kirk? Uh, was it $23,000? $23,000 for a 42-unit building. That's absolutely crazy. And what's that building worth now, Joe? Uh, $23,000. <laughs> 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 it's not done. <laughs> no, but what will it be worth after all the? Uh, its current built-out value should be about two point one million US. Yeah, um, 
but it's much more likely to go north of five in the next couple of years, just just with real estate values doing what they're doing in Detroit. I mean, the first house that uh, Craig bought, I think, don't quote me 100%, I think he bought it for $13,000, put about $13,000 into it. He was, I think it was uh, about 24000 total was what he put into the place, and now it's worth about uh, 80000 U.S., uh, in a, a three-year period, so that's a that's a heck of a return on investment there, and uh, you know it's it, it it's it's really a testament to the chicken little mentality. When people see it on TV, like oh Detroit, why would you go to Detroit? Now everybody's starting to look at Detroit, saying wow, I missed the boat. I wish I had been there. Um, but it's great because we actually we we stopped selling single-family homes and we put together a nice little package of um, what is it, eighteen properties we have there. Just doing the math in my head. Oh, this will take a while. You know what? <laughs> I, can't leave it alone. I can't. I can't hear you when I'm laughing. I'm just gonna keep laughing over what you're saying. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Would you like to repeat yourself, Kirk? Nope. I'm good. I hope everybody. <laughs> So anyhow, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been really good to us, Detroit. I, I'm I'm sad to see it go, but I'm glad to put it to bed. And then we've moved on to Owen Sound. I uh, I love that we're bringing our investments back to Canada. Um, you know, hometown proud. Yeah, although I'm not from Owen Sound. Owen Sound, it is a gorgeous place. I love visiting Owen Sound, especially yeah, especially what's right, especially in the summer. It's so gorgeous up there. I could live up there all summer. I don't like visiting anywhere north of Toronto in the winter. I, you know what? I agree. <laughs> well, I, I used to be a skier, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we had that conversation, you and me, a while ago. I like the hot tubs, though. Yeah. Hot tubs and a couple of, you know, a couple of pops. I'll, I'll do that at Blue Mountain any day. I'm not much for getting out in the cold these days however i'll, I'll take my vacation south anyhow uh owen sounds a, a great spot you know it's it's the sad thing about what's happening to a lot of ontario small towns is that the downtown cores have been decimated by these smart centers that are just outside of town people have no need to go downtown to buy anything they don't need to go to the 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 um to the butcher the baker and the candlestick maker anymore but the funny thing is if you look at what's happening in downtown Toronto, and Toronto is obviously different from Owen Sound, but we are making our way back to the specialty uh, stores. You know, um, in my my neighborhood, Cabbage Town, we've got the St. James Steak, uh, St. Jamestown Steak and Chops. That is an actual butcher shop in Cabbage Town where you can go get quality meats. People shop there over going to No Frills. Well, yeah, we've got, you know, people are going much more to the actual baker nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I like... You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something. Me? Yeah. No, I wasn't. I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to... sounded like you were going to talk. I didn't want to well, cut you off yet again. Hey, there's a shop like that down uh, where I live, too. It's called Mary Lou's, and it's like a, a small little uh, butcher shop where you go, and that's where we get all of our fresh steaks and stuff like that, and it's quality stuff, so... Okay. Yeah, I I think we've all gotten tired of, of the generic stuff, you know, we all want better, higher quality, and, and we are paying for it, but that's, to me, that's only going to be a matter of time before that trickles down to all of the small towns in Ontario again, 
So this is what uh, what's great is we've gone into the downtown core. We found some underperforming properties that are a, a mix of commercial and residential. And we've, we've seen it with vision. That's the number one thing when it comes to real estate is having vision. Where can you go from here? Because let's face it, um, downtown uh, apartments above commercial units, typically in any small town in Ontario, are not going to be the most desirable. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of, uh, yeah, little hole-in-the-wall places. Yeah, of course. But with a little vision, they can actually be turned around and, and uh, we've got some great strategies around that. And it's, it's really nice to see we're getting a lot of support from the community. Mm-hmm, which is great. It kind of, oh, it's a small town up that way called uh, Kim Carden. Have you heard of Kim Carden? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever been there though. No, it's a really nice spot. And their downtown court is kind of the same as the one sound is run down and everything. But, but the Bruce power plant is up there and brought up all these jobs. And now everybody, King Carden is a very desirable place to go and just rent a cottage, Airbnb it for a weekend, especially in the summer, because it has these white beaches with clear blue water. It's so much fun. Oh, that's it. I mean, uh, Owen Sound, I don't like, but it, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Talking like Porky Pig here. Um, <clears throat> that's the great thing about Owen Sound is it's like 45 minutes from everywhere up there. Yeah, it is. 45 minutes from the Bruce Power, 45 minutes from, well, it's less than that, from Salva Beach, from uh, all of the, um, the the Great Lakes cruise ships come in there. The Manitoulin Island Ferry comes uh, not far from there. It's, uh, it's a really, you know, for such a small city, it's a really great little hub where everything is. And the downtown is absolutely beautiful. Oh, it is. It's gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. It's great. It has that small town vibe, but you can still go out and enjoy the town on a Friday night down there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's much nightlife on a Friday night there, but uh, you get back to me on that, buddy. <laughs> well, hey, I, I got to look. <laughs> yeah, I don't really go out on Friday nights. I guess that's the difference between a millennial and 40. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow... Um, the idea behind how we've done this, we've combined the RSP program with great locations, great properties, but more importantly, we've, we've, we've made it passive. Now, do you understand the difference between active and passive investing? That was actually one of my questions I had written down here. Oh, you did some work for this week? I did, right? You didn't even take your medical bracelet off. Yeah, I know. Or is that your day pass? <laughs> yeah, they just let me out for the hour. <laughs> Dinner's at four. Be back on time. Send in the paddy wagon after me. Hey, that's a racist term. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Really? Yes. Paddy wagon. Paddy. Well, What's a paddy? What? Irishman. Oh, hey, I'm <laughs> You should know this, Kirk. I guess it's all right for you to use it then if you're half Irish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's actually, uh, that's where it comes from. It was uh, rounding up drunk Irish back in the day. Um, I know oh, it's probably yeah. some of my family members were yeah. in them. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, let's stay on track. This is way harder without you in studio, Kirk. Jeez. The banter is just so much harder when I have to wait for you. Anyhow. <laughs> So, so you're going to ask me what the difference is between active and I, passive? Yeah. What's your take on it? Um, passive, my take is that you just 
put your money in something and you just let it do its thing. Active is you're actively in there trading in and out, doing all sorts of cool stuff with the money. You're actively using that money. Oh. <laughs> so, sorry, say that again. You know what? It's almost time for me to take another med. <laughs> so, so can you say that in a slightly like uh, more organized way um passive investing uh just put your money into the project and you let it grow and do its thing correct that's correct yes yeah that's that's a good simple explanation that a boy yeah and then active is you're actively using that money to invest right you're constantly using it Yes, yes, um, depending on what type of investing you're talking about. So if, if we're talking about active investing in the stock market, then you would, yes, be trading your money in and out constantly and actively investing it um, or paying somebody to do that for you like a mutual fund. Yes. Passively investing would be letting your money sit and following a strategy. So when it comes to real estate, there's also active real estate investing and there's passive real estate investing. Active, and I, 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 you know, I used to run a, a meetup group with my good buddy Todor. Um, I always heard people say that they they don't want to change light bulbs and fix toilets. <laughs> yeah. Which, if it gets me closer to to the freedom that I desire in my life, I will change as many light bulbs as I have to, and I will fix as many toilets as I have to. However. That's not everybody's bag. Not everybody can do that. You know, life is demanding, kids, jobs, all that stuff. So passive investing in real estate is lending your money to somebody in the faith that they're going to complete their project the way that they said that they would. Now, of course, this has risks and pitfalls. You must vet the people that you're in business with. That's number one. Make sure they've got a track record of pulling projects off. Make sure, you know, here's one of my favorite things. Uh, my, my good buddy, Chris Sampson, his dad, um, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but I'll never forget um, his dad coming in to uh, where I worked one time, and, and he's telling me he was a pilot. And he said, you know, Jeff, any pilot can land a plane, but it takes a great pilot to be able to crash a plane and walk away. And I was at a, an institutional conference just before Christmas down in uh, Manhattan, and the big institutional funds were saying that if somebody's coming to them with a project, one of their most important things for them to, to understand is projects that have gone completely awry. Did we just lose Kirk? Oh, we just lost Kirk. So I'll just keep talking until you guys bring him back in on Zoom. <laughs> it's all me. Anyhow, um, I'm sure Kirk's heard me talk about this before. One of the most important things that you have to find in a real estate project is a manager who understands not only their vision and how to get what they want out of the project, but what to do when things go wrong. And that's, you know, that's a, a massive, a massive thing for people to understand because you're never always going to have everything go right. Your, your ducks don't always line up in a row. Is that the doorbell or what am I hearing there? Is that Zoom? Oh, hey, they're, they're, they're back. What, 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 why did you leave us? No, the uh, Wi-Fi just crashed for a minute. Yeah, sure, sure. Thank you, man. <laughs> Anyhow, what I was saying, Kirk, is the importance of understanding your your investment manager or your project manager knows what to do in the worst case scenario. Yeah. And and that's 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 been huge for us. We've had uh, we've obviously had times where. 
you know, um, we've had troubles coming out of Detroit. Detroit, the city is getting hungry for the properties, and we've had some challenges with that, and we have pulled them out. And it's important to understand what happens in those scenarios. Obviously, you want to mitigate your risk rate from the beginning, but knowing what to do when when things don't go right is just as important as being able to to have the vision and and have a great track record. Um, and more important, when people are vetting a, a uh, a manager for them to know that they know what to do when things go wrong. So the passive investing really is in real estate active. You are in there. You are dealing with uh, tenant contracts. You are dealing with um, problems with the property. You are dealing with um, uh, insurance. You're, you're dealing with all of the, the nitty gritty of the investments. And it's not a wrong way to do it. It's just that it's, it's time consuming. For the average person who's got a job but wants to get into real estate investing, a passive investment is usually a much better place for them to start. Some stay in there for decades. Um, and there's a number of, of huge firms around Toronto. Uh, I mean, Toronto's been um, um, a glutton for construction financing for the last, I don't know, five, six years. Uh, I'm pretty sure that wave has crested. Uh, there's certainly some problems in that industry, but um, <clears throat> now I think it really is um, rehab is a good spot for passive investment. Um, rent to owns mm. is a great spot for passive investment. What about um, housing? I'm sorry? What about student housing? That's a bit of a tough nut, not because I disagree with um, the student housing, but because getting financing for it right now is the difficult thing. Okay, because I've had a couple friends that went into student housing and they've done very well for themselves in student housing. They own about two or three homes now. Well, see, if you were paying attention to me, you'd understand that's active investing, not passive. Yes, that is active because they're active mm -hmm. both in the house. <laughs> hey, the Wi-Fi cut out on me, man. It's not my fault. Yeah, blame it on the Wi-Fi. What about the other 40 episodes? <laughs> and I got a question for you. I just noticed this morning I was thinking about you, Kirk. Where's your Cohiba pen? My Cohiba pen? Um, it is in my jacket. Why? I haven't seen you with it in forever, and I was just wondering if you lost it or if it ran out of ink. No, 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 no. I have it here. Okay, good. I was worried. <laughs> I was going to buy you one if you lost it because you were you would just oh, adore yeah, that pen. Actually, uh, I, I lost it. I have no idea where it is. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, no, some of the, um, you know, there's all sorts of different real estate strategies. I'm not going to say anyone is better than the other, but... To me, to get started, it's a heck of a lot easier, a lot less scary to find a good manager who's going to allow you to, to passively invest. Yes. Um, the meaning, throw your money in, you get X amount of dollars per year. At the end of the term, get your money back, plus your investment, uh, plus your return. You know, Bob's your mother's brother. That's a great way to do it. More importantly, that's a great way to, to get your feet wet and get over that first hurdle of understanding real estate investment. Mm -hmm. Because what is the number one thing that keeps people from making money, Kirk? The number one thing? Number one thing. Fear. 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 Do you know what fear stands for? I love this. Uh, what is it? Uh... Oh, gosh. I can't even remember what, it, what it's called uh, when you use um, the letters of a word to make other words. Sophie, you know what that means? That, that's called? I can't remember. I have no idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sophie's looking at me like, why are you talking to me? I'm, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. If anybody's watching, they can comment on Facebook. Please please let me know. I, I can't remember the, the, the term for it. Please. But fear is false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. Yep. That's Yeah. yeah. That's what? That's it. Yeah, that's fear. <laughs> Thanks for your input, Kirk. Hey, <laughs> Way to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Happy I could be a be of service to you. Oh gosh, this is going downhill real fast. Yeah. Anyhow, um, <laughs> oh, what? I love you, Kirky. I, I love We're you. But the number one thing that stops people from investing is fear. Fear of losing their money, fear of getting it wrong, fear of whatever. Mm -hmm. So passive investing really opens that door for people to actually be able to get in and start. Starting is the most important thing. Yep, it is. Uh, that's a very hard decision, especially for uh, millennials to make. I'm going to bring back the millennials. We don't like to jump both feet forward. We want to kind of wait and see. We want to let the other guy do it before we do it. Um. Yeah, yeah, you definitely see the. I think a lot of the challenge with millennials is you guys don't have enough cash yet that, to be able well, to. <laughs> I would agree with that. Don't have enough cash yet. There's a couple of people out there that live off of daddy's and mommy's money that get uh, or are able to do that. But Baby, you want to switch over? Well, there you go. Thanks. Sophie, was I not Sorry. on the camera that whole time? No, no, you weren't. That's Fabian. Oh, oh Fabian. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue, Kirk. Mommy and daddy's. Yeah, well, some millennials, actually quite a few millennials, have mommy and daddy's money to fall back on, and they're trying to get involved in real estate investing, but they just, they're too afraid to do it, and they want to let the other guy do it before they do it. Yeah. For what it is, what, what it is for millennials is that we're too afraid to fail because our whole lives being raised, we were told that, you know, you can't fail. You're the best. You'll never fail. Right. And I think that's why we don't do it. Um, that's, that's true. Um, you know, that's, that's a whole other discussion. The fear of failure. Um, we're, we're running out of time on that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been talking for 45 minutes now. Uh, <laughs> I've been instructing Fabian how to do his job and switch the camera for 45 minutes now. <laughs> um, yeah, fear of failure, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, failure is a dirty word to me. Uh, truly, to me, it just means that you're, you're learning. You're, you're, you're trying to get to the next spot in your life, but uh, the only way to get there is to actually screw it up a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. But... That's a whole other conversation. The main thing is finding a good manager who knows, who has vision, but also knows how to to to, to pull it out of a nosedive, and then from there, um, they're going to to deliver on the timelines that they've promised and have a history of doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do all the active investing you want, the student rentals or or just regular rental housing or, or whatever, um, and you're completely in control and you have all of the 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 things you need to make that work. But at the same time, if something goes wrong, it's all on you. If there's more money needed, it's all on you. Yeah. Whereas passive investments, they, they well, they should have all of those contingencies in place before you actually put your money in there. Hey, what if this happens? Well, this is our plan B. Hey, what if you can't get financing from this source? Well, that's going to be our plan C. Yeah. 
And that's, that's you know, probably the best ways that you can actually uh, vet uh, um, a passive investment manager in real estate. Mm-hmm. So now that I've rambled for as long as I have, Kirky, what do we got coming up? It's the end of the show. Uh, oh, you could do two truths and a lie on me if you like. Uh, I already know your whole life story. I'm good. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I just don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm laughing over you so you can't be heard. Let's go. Two, two truths and a lie. Um, Let's go. <clears throat> all right. I have had a meeting at Trump Towers in Manhattan that the security guard almost didn't let me in the elevator. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> uh, this is actually really hard. Now I know what you're putting our guests through. Yeah, man. That's right. <laughs> I have a fight coming up this weekend. And. Um, I have jumped out of an airplane. Okay, now the fight this weekend. I know you're scheduled, but did that other guy accept? You can't ask questions. You just got to figure out which one's the lie. And I'm not. All right, that one's the lie. <laughs> that is the lie. Thank you. You were paying attention. Well, you weren't paying attention at the beginning when I said I don't have a fight, but my good friend Jackie does. No, I, uh, I did. Honestly, man, it's this injury. It's screwing with my brain. Don't make that joke because I know you're going to. So hard. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, that's my two truths. I've, I've always actually kind of wanted to try that, but I don't think you should put a guest through that anymore. That's nerve-wracking. <laughs> anyhow... We got a big weekend coming up. This weekend is uh, our first online event weekend. Of course, we have um, What's Your Worth coming up with Vanessa Smith and Claudia Harvey, Saturday, February 2nd at 9.30 a.m. Uh, Sophie, are you putting the link for that in the uh, Facebook description, uh, the Facebook um, below the, the, the video? Yes. How, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how the wonders work in your world, but you're putting the links for these, video, uh, for these courses all right. Good. Sophie's taking care of the things that I don't understand. Thank you, Sophie, for, for doing that. Uh, so, of course, we have Vanessa Smith of Mint Worthy teaming up with Claudia Harvey, the CEO of Digit Apparel, to offer What's Your Worth, a, uh, a master class in understanding your barriers to financial freedom and what's stopping you. And then, of course, uh, Blackthorn Group is presenting Mr. Craig Dunkerley, our CEO, uh, doing our Money Mastery course online for the first time uh, Sunday. Sunday, February 3rd at 9.30 a.m. Um, that's actually going to be a five-part series, and that'll happen over the next five Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Of course, if you miss one of those, we can make sure that you get the video in one of our archive sites. And uh, some 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 exciting stuff coming out of this weekend. It's the first time that uh, Mintworthy, uh, um, uh, Claudia Harvey, and Craig Dunkley and Blackthorn have all teamed up to offer such a, a stellar weekend. So a lot of great information coming out of that. Of course, if uh, folks want to uh, see us live, they can come out next Tuesday night to our financial success evening here at our offices at 2120 North Park Drive in Brampton, Ontario, Suite 9. Uh, of course, you can email Kirk at K-I-R-K 
at blackthorn-group.com if you want to get a hold of him and let him know you're coming. Yep. And we have, uh, you know, great segue. We also have a, uh, a passive real estate investing course coming up next week. I believe it is Tuesday evening. So if he's going to put a link up for us there so you can register for that, understand what we got going on in Owen Sound if you want to take part in that as an investor or you just want to learn some stuff. You can certainly click on that link, get yourself registered, and uh, Sophie will take care of putting that at the bottom of the video for us. Kirky, anything I'm missing? Yeah, we also have our P, or I was going to say. Oh, thank you. Tax course also on, was it February the 9th, I believe? Pay less tax coming up a week from Saturday, February 9th, uh, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Our resident uh, tax tactician, Mr. Hashim Chaudhry, is going to be uh, uh, reviewing how to write off almost everything in your life and uh, using a business here in Canada to be able to do so. Some very interesting tax strategies come out of that. Uh, definitely something you don't want to miss. I believe it is a $47 course, but uh, um, he'll be offering that, I believe, over uh, a couple of different weeks. There's some different times. We can get that link down below for registration as well. So thanks for bringing that up, Kirky. I appreciate it. No worries. You, uh, you do have my back, sir. I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words there, Kirky? Yeah, go Pats, go. Let's go. Go Pats, go. <laughs> yeah, big Super Bowl weekend this weekend. So uh, good luck to all my uh, fellow fighters out of Cabbage Town this weekend at Brampton Cup. Have a great time at Super Bowl this Sunday. Uh, and again, thanks for joining us, as always, on the Financial Success Show every single Thursday here at 3 p.m., and uh, thanks for Fabian for doing half of his job today. <laughs> so that's us signing off. Want to roll those end credits for us, Fabian?